In this episode, I'll speak with Arjun Rai, a young tech entrepreneur and NYIT School of Management graduate whose company HelloWoofy.com created a social media marketing platform to help small to medium-sized companies. Driven by artificial intelligence, the program integrates smart scheduling, learns about your business, and produces predictive text and recommends content to include in your social media posts. You'll hear about the journey from pitching his idea and getting initial seed capital to managing through setbacks, pivoting, and launching his product that now has over 5,000 users. With us today is Arjun Rai, founder and CEO of HelloWoofy.com and is an NYIT alum. Welcome to our podcast series. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me on board. It's always a pleasure coming back to NYIT and sharing wisdom is one thing, but all the memories at the university from reaching out to the dean, the associate dean initially years ago to getting scholarships and then finally making my mark, uh, my own little dent in the universe at the university and then obviously moving on and uh, continue to do that. So it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. We're happy to have you with us today. And I think you're going to be giving our listeners some great insights into your post-college career and how you got businesses up and running. But let's start with a little conversation about HelloWoofy.com. What is the company? Tell us what it's about. Uh And if you could, just give me the genesis of what made you develop the company. Yeah, great question. So like the name suggests, the idea of a dog, right? It's almost like your best friend. He's teaching you when, how, and what to post and supporting you along the way. So similarly, the idea in our platform is that it's designed to support the underdog marketeer. We like to call small businesses underdogs because at the end of the day, they have to be very frugal. And uh, and HelloWoofy allows you to be all of that while getting ahead in digital marketing. So we started off originally with social media marketing as being the lowest hanging fruit. We ended up raising the capital, we expanded the team, uh, and then after getting some initial traction, and so, you know, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. later on. After getting some traction, we started fighting with let's expand the business a little bit into other fields or subfields of marketing that small businesses are really needing help with, especially with COVID-19 and all of these things that are happening as we're speaking today. How do we provide a solution, which is what HelloWoofy is, that is just categorically new and allows small business to compete basically for the price of a cup of coffee. Now, to attract users for your platform, I know that you've also integrated artificial intelligence, AI, and it also integrates with other platforms. So you're sort of like that in-between tool that integrates with several things. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And we obviously automate to Facebook, Twitter, the LinkedIn, the Instagram, TikTok of the world on the social side of things. And then on the blogging side of things, we announce our integration with Medium, WordPress, Shopify. We're definitely becoming the go-to solution, the all-in-one solution that's A, affordable. But like you said, it's AI-driven as well, which means that you don't have to spend much of your time thinking about what to say or when to say it or how to say it. The idea is if we could bring 153 million people and conversations to your fingertips so you could analyze what has worked and what hasn't worked, that's a pretty unprecedented level of data available to a small business owner that yesterday didn't have any means to even figure out what to, how to go about digital marketing. And today, they have the data set that typically an enterprise company would have at their disposal. Well, we made it so affordable that you could be literally typing a post or a blog and have that insight at your fingertips for, like I said, the price of a cup of coffee. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that the storytelling capabilities, the creativity that really separates a small business owner, like we say, the underdog 
from a big company. We want you to be able to tell that story. And today, especially with COVID, the only way you can do it is through digital marketing. Yeah, so I uh, saw so you sort of like staked out a spot in the marketplace for yourself to really focus on the small business where a lot of companies are obviously focused their attention on large-scale businesses, looking for those opportunities. Exactly, and it's so unfortunate because the big companies, even today, the biggest companies in the world are doing A-OK. But if you take a look at the small businesses, I mean, if you just look in our own backyard, right, a lot of the businesses are not coming back. A lot of the businesses have had to pivot like a startup. You know, restaurants became grocery stores overnight. Grocery stores, you know, were shut down for a bit and people couldn't get their food. And so people, you know, resorted to Amazon delivery, which is a very digital first product. That became overwhelmed and they had to shut that down as well. It's all about pivoting and changing and going with the trends. And that's something that I had to do at NYIT is when I started my first company, which was an agency, I pivoted to a software company after that because I realized that collaboration could be better. It could be a lot better. And then eventually I realized that social media marketing digital media marketing, that needed to be better as well. You know, you always have to constantly move around depending on the needs of the industry and most importantly, your your customers. To put things in context, I want to make sure our listeners are aware that we're recording this actually in July of 2020. We're here in New York. Arjun's at home in his office in uh, New York City. I'm out on Long Island. And we're just going through the reopening phases. And I think we're entering into phase four. But a lot of small businesses have yet to reopen and so how does that small business get that story out there? And it sounds like Hello Woofy is certainly perfectly positioned for that. But when you first started developing this, let's step back if we could from the genesis of the idea and then looking for funding. How, how did you get that first round of funding in? Yeah, the first round of funding was interesting. So a couple of years before that, the Seal Fellowship, and for your listeners if you don't know, Seal Fellowship is put together by a guy named Peter Seal who happens to be a part of the so-called PayPal mafia. He was one of the uh, original people behind the company. He exited and obviously he did pretty well for himself financially. He then wanted to support young entrepreneurs. So they ended up reaching out to me when I was in high school. And fortunately, between high school and college, I was disqualified because I was considered to be too old. Back in the day, if you were 20, which is what I was going into college, 20 was the threshold for joining the SEAL Fellowship. And then since then, they've increased it to at least 25 or a little bit higher. He ended up meeting me again a couple of years later at a pitch competition. And while you know, I told him, hey, you look very familiar. Have we met before? And I was like, oh, yeah, we had met before. You were the guy who reached out to me. And so a couple of months later, when I was, ended up working on Wolfie, he and his partner, Danielle, Michael was his name, they ended up putting in an initial 50K check and saying, okay, this looks very promising, looks very interesting, but uh, there's no traction, there are no customers, but you still have a business set, and you have some sort of an idea of where you're taking the company, how you're going to build it, let's take a kind of like a winger on you and, and see what happens. So they put in 50K, my co-founder at the time and I, Ended up building up the startup prototype, the MVP. We put in about 10000 of our own money before that. And then uh, through trials and errors, we figured out that we needed a pivot. Uh, we pivoted to desktop because almost all of our customers and users at the moment at that time told us that, hey, the mobile app is a great idea, the mobile marketing platform, but we really need a bigger screen. And so we listened to our customers and we pivoted. We then 
raised an additional 100K from an accelerator program here in New York. The investment firm that put in 50K originally, they decided to put in another 100K themselves. So the idea that came out of that is that if you have momentum, so long as it's in the right direction and you're using that momentum, rather than momentum is rooted in customer feedback, then investors will join you for the ride. And in this case, obviously, they reinvested and they upped their investment to 150K. Well, it's 100K that we raised from the accelerator. So you've got your first round in. They invested in an idea. They realized you had to flesh it out. And it was interesting that, you know, you felt confident enough. And you used an interesting term. You said it was all about customer feedback. You listened to your customers and you knew you had to head in sort of a, not a completely different direction, but in a different direction, essentially. And then by taking that, the venture people felt as though, okay, wow, he's listening. We're going to double down. We're going to put more money in because we feel as though, okay, he's sort of refining what he was, the original concept was. Did I get that right? Basically, it's all about the iteration and then making sure that your point, you're kind of being EQ-driven. You're emphasizing with your own story, with the investor themselves. It's all about having that communication. I think the communication aspect to your point was the most important. And so long as the other side felt that you were communicating, whether it's the idea of traction or just, you know, your story, it helps a lot get to the point where you both can win. Got it. Yeah, so we got into the accelerator and then things got interesting. We ended up getting an introduction from one of the junior partners that felt, you know, highly, he felt that this person who was one of his close friends was highly vetted, highly acclaimed, as a good technology person. And unfortunately, three to four months later, we figured out that this person was not, let's just say not kosher. We also figured out that he was actually not delivering. We had celebrities, we had some of the biggest investors looking for demos, and it was just not working out. Every demo was very clunky, weeks would go by, so I should have fired him three months before that and saved the capital in terms of salary, but we did it. So I learned from, from that lesson as well. And there's all of this work that goes on behind the scenes where you really have to stay focused and you've got to just stay on top of the task at hand and making sure that things are happening at the pace that they were expected to. And they were actually, the work is getting done and staying on top of that is critically important because now you've got your money, you've got your investor's money. I mean, you learned some tough lessons there. So how did you turn that around? Well, it's just really interesting after that. So we looked at our bank account and we had about 12000 left in the bank. And my other friend and I, we basically said, we're going to do whatever it takes and we're going to pile all the 12K into a new team and see how far we can go because at the end of the day, we did not want to give up and lose all of the investment. Within a couple of months, we ended up having a new product being built. I also found a full-time job at another larger startup. And so what ended up happening was from five to eight o'clock in the morning, I was working on Whoopi, and then I would go to work in lower Manhattan, Brooklyn area, and work on, the, on that startup, and then come back in the evenings and into midnight, probably one o'clock in the morning, work with my team offshore on Whoopi again. And that happened for about nine, 10 months or so. I ended up putting in about another 60 to 70K in credit cards into the company so that my developers could have food on the table. My girlfriend put in some cash into the company and she helped us get some credit cards as well. So all in between the two of us, we're in for about $160,000, $170,000. Just prior to launching it, this is a funny story. We applied to be on a TV show and the TV show actually was like a Shark Tank and they were like, we really liked your idea. And oh, hey, by the way, there's an equity crowdfunding element to this. 
while you're on the show, you could actually be using the momentum and the publicity to raise capital. It's very easy. It's a new thing. It was literally allowing the public to invest as low as 100 bucks into your company. They didn't have to be accredited. And that was a very automated way to raise capital, which is something that entrepreneurs, actually, founders should be thinking about today is how do you automate, be frugal, but then also automate much of your daily tasks, right? And fundraising is more than half of that. We also end up launching in December, uh, toward the end of November and December with a company called AppSumo, which if anyone is in the software space, it's kind of like the QVC of uh, software sales. We launched with them and we did about 30, 35,000 within the first couple of weeks. And I would say so it's July now in the last seven months since launching publicly. Now keep in mind, this has been a journey that has now been about two years and a year and a half or so, right? right. And $170,000 in we generated nearly $142,000 in sales. And we grew from 30 customers to nearly 5,000 customers, which if I'm asked to write, is about 13, 14,000% growth. Uh, we raised $380,000 initially, and we just launched a second crowdfunding campaign. So we raised about just under $500,000 publicly, equity crowdfunding driven capital, and we're a team of 16 people today as well. I think what you're really describing here is all about grit right? It's all about perseverance, about that you knew you had a good idea to begin with because you were able to attract an initial round of funding. Those people that invested in you continued to invest. So the idea was sound. Now it was a matter of how do we execute? How do we get to that goal line? And then the use of the Republic funding portal. Could you describe to our listeners a little bit about that and crowdfunding, you called it? Yeah, it's interesting. So Reg TF, you know, the Jobs Act and the whole idea of crowdfunding and allowing typical Joe's to invest in companies is really about opportunity, right? So 40 years ago, 30 years ago, what if you could put even a dollar into Microsoft when it was worth a couple million dollars, a couple of tens of millions of dollars? What would that dollar look like when it is a multi-billion dollar cap company today? Mm-hmm. But today, for as low as $100 in some cases or $50 in other cases, depending on the campaign itself, Everything is automated. All the paperwork, all the legal side is automated. And you can put in as a non-accredited investor into any company. But the fact that you have an opportunity to think about that is very different for the average show to be able to start participating in world-changing ideas. And so for us, our narrative is actually very different from a typical tech company. We raised from our customers who are using a product that they love. We have nearly 5,000 of the customers, right? Some of them are investing into a company that they're using and they want to grow with the company. When we're on the campaign, we're telling people that, hey, our company is for the underdog market here. We're trying to give them hope, the data-driven technology, and it's so simple, it's so affordable that even a 10-year-old influencer could use this. That narrative hits them because many of these individuals are business owners themselves. They understand where we're coming from. So you can see it's a very interesting loop where we raise from our customers, the customers then grow with the company, they use the product that the company is building, and when it comes on the Rex CS side or the fundraising side, they understand the narrative better than any other company that's pitching because they feel the pains and the comfort that goes into just being digitally first today, in, especially in COVID-19. Really, really a win-win here because from the investor side, even a small investor gets to participate. And then from the small business owner who's looking to raise funding without having to go and give away a big piece of the company to a venture firm, can go and make that pitch, let's say, through a company like Republic Funding Portal to raise some capital. Yep, exactly. So it's actually a win-win-win. The founder wins, 
the company wins. In fact, I could probably add another win there. The customer wins and the Republic as a platform that enables all of this with their hundreds of thousands of users on board, they win as well because the new opportunities that they may have not heard of anywhere else. So I do recommend, it is kind of a beauty contest. I will say that you need to be on top of your updates. If you, I mean, John, I'm sure you get my emails daily yep, yep. on the updates from Republic, right? Yep. Every single day, we have to be pounding the pavement. I know you're going to ask me what keeps me up at night. Um, well, <laughs> it's the updates. It's making sure my team is cranking out code so that customer tickets are getting answered as soon as possible, that, you know, we're super active in our Facebook group, which is, you know, by far one of the best ways to stay actively engage with our customer base so we understand what's working for them, what we need to improve, and what features they want us to build. Yeah, what's also interesting is that the way you've built out your platform and and how it integrates with, I think one of the products I saw recently that integrates with is Hootsuite and other products so that you're interconnecting, right? I think they call it an API. Uh, You're an interface. And so you make an easy life for the user, but they also have the power of integrating, taking your program that's integrated with other platforms, right? Exactly. So one of the mindsets that I recommend founders not to have is the zero-sum game, right? And Steve Jobs talked about this when he was being interviewed. And one of the things he said is it's a zero-sum game, right? In order for him to win, Microsoft has to lose, or Microsoft to win, Apple has to lose. In our case, that's not true either. We end up partnering with our biggest competitor, the biggest social media scheduler and on the planet with 19 million customers, social media and social media professionals using their product every single day. We partnered with them because we said that, hey, we know that your customers are asking us to integrate with you because they feel that our data science and visualization and AI capabilities are great, but they still want to use your XYZ features like the stream and the analytics and whatnot, why don't we partner and find a data-driven but affordable solution, especially as we're going into COVID, and let's try to help these guys out, right? And be a small business owners and whatnot. So it just happened to be in the power of networking. Years before that, I happened to be sitting next to a guy, his name was Ian, and he happened to be on the board of advisors and very close to the founder of Hootsuite, Brian. And this was at Columbia University. So I went to a lot of events, by the way. I went to like six or seven events a week, and they all helped me get to where I am in life. So Ian and I became friends. He ended up putting some passion to my previous venture. And then he ended up introducing me to Ryan a couple of months ago, and Ryan introduced me to his team, and his team helped us get integrated into Hootsuite. And that was the power of networking, but it was six years in the making. And I think that's so important for entrepreneurs to hear, right? Absolutely. Get outside of your individual sphere and go out and experience, whether it's at conferences, whether it's a lecture, and participate in those types of events and get to know a larger universe of people. Exactly. At the university or the extracurricular events, go talk to the speakers. Don't care about anyone else. Go talk to the speakers. Be the first one in line to ask them a question. Be the first to sit in the front row. You know, ask them questions as soon as they get off the podium. That's the kind of mindset that you need to have because it may not benefit you selfishly in the moment, but hey, that person might be looking for an intern. That person might be looking for a new hire to help them even a couple of months from now, and you might be graduating and you're looking for a job, right? That mindset is always important to be long-term. Like I said, it's as true as in dating as it is in business. And the relationship I had was literally the most random ever. The Columbia University Auditorium probably had about 300, 400 people in it. I happened to be having lunch right next to the person who would end up helping me six years later land one of the 
largest partnerships in my personal career with Hootsuite. Great stuff. Great stuff. A question for you as we wrap things up. What one word describes who you are? Perseverance. And that's only because I know what it's like to be in the trenches, being fired upon from different sides, and having the scars prove it. And I think I always like other persevering people to work with, especially when we're raising capital. The one thing I've learned over also in the last couple of years is that if you're raising capital, if you want to raise capital, you have to talk to a general partner, a managing partner, or someone who's an LP in the fund, or an angel investor, in which case they're writing their own check out of their own bank account. Anyone else, whether it's an analyst, an associate, a principal, don't bother, unless you just want a good conversation. But if you want to actually get a check burden to you, it's kind of a litmus test of people who have been able to be perseverant themselves. They've raised capital, they've built a company, they've exited, and now they're investing in other people's companies. Those are the people who are going to be the partners in a fund who are personally responsible for the fund itself in terms of it doing really well. You need to talk to those kinds of people. Hey, this is all great advice, Arjun. Thank you so much for participating in our podcast, and we really appreciate the insights, and I think our listeners really got a lot out of this today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, John. I wish you and the entire NYIT family the very best. I'm always here for my beloved university. Thanks so much. Following along on Arjun's journey, we see that he took every opportunity to hone his ideas. He went to pitch competitions and attended conferences where he worked at standing out and being noticed. He got to know investors that understood the technology, how it applied to his target market, and eventually invested in his idea. Once the initial program was developed, they were confronted with feedback that it needed to be more than a mobile app, requiring them to pivot. As he said, we listened to our customers and developed a computer-based application. This was key to keeping his investors interested since the change in strategy was driven by user demand. He also described confronting challenges, making hard decisions and securing additional funding, including digging deep into credit cards and discovering crowdfunding, where non-accredited investors have an opportunity to participate in funding startups. We discussed avoiding the mindset of a zero-sum game, that there needs to be winners and losers in the marketplace. Instead, Arjun expanded his market presence by partnering with his biggest competitor. And now, Hello Woofy integrates with Hootsuite, which has over 18 million users worldwide. And as important as anything else, his passion and unwavering commitment for his company were keys to his success. Thanks to Arjun Rai for sharing his experiences with us. This podcast is executive produced by John Rebecki and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. The director of professional enrichment and producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohn. Our executive producer and social media strategist is Paulina Lamanier. Our audio editor and mixer is Brian Falk from Abacus Entertainment. Special thanks to Constance Talesha and Petra Shantaraga. Until next time.